Bible this morning with you, you're going to turn on or open up. Uh, we are in Hebrews chapter 10 today. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to pick up in verse 19. And uh, we are started a series last week called Dry, Finding Faith in Times of Trouble. Uh, because indeed, this times in our lives, we can just become spiritually dry as followers of Jesus Christ. And sometimes that's because of pain in our lives, pressure of life, unconfessed sin. Uh, there's all kinds of reasons that we can be dry, but God loves us, cares for us. He doesn't want us in a spirit of dryness. And so in his word, there are things that we can do to help further along revival, refreshment in our lives. Now, we recognize that revival and refreshment is something God brings to us but we're not called passively in the Word of God just to sit and wait for it. There are things that we can do to create an environment within our lives that welcomes and receives and ask the Lord to do just that in reviving us. So last week we looked at those promises that we need, uh, and maybe you rehearsed some of those this week over and over, like we kind of gave each other some homework to do. And those three promises again was, God knows everything about me, God is always with me, and God is my wonderful creator. And so maybe this week, like me, you had some situations where you had to just stop and go over those three things, right? And, you know, and maybe jot those down again and just think. When that pain and pressure comes into life, just can say those three things. God's with me right now. God knows about this situation. He knows everything about me. And he loves me. He created me. This morning, we're going to look at the community that we need and the community that we need when we are spiritually dry. And so I'm going to pick up in verse 19. I'm going to read on down to verse 25. And so if you don't mind stretching your legs again, let's stand up and uh, let's honor the Lord in the reading of his word. In verse 19, the author of Hebrews says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, verse 22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean, from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, he says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And we believe that this is the word of God that he has written for the people of God. And you may be seated. You know, I, you, you probably have seen pictures of them, or maybe some of you have had the privilege of seeing them in person. Uh, but the California redwood trees are absolutely amazing trees. See, the California redwood trees out in California, they can grow up to 300 feet tall some of the tallest trees in all of the world. And so an average California redwood tree grows about 200 to 300 feet. Now, if you think of a tree that's 300 feet in the air, you're probably thinking already like I am, man, that thing's got to have a deep root system. Right? I mean, it's got to have some roots in order to hold that thing up. Because wind and, and you know, pressure of life and storms, they're going to hit it. And if it doesn't have a good root system, that big tree is going to fall. 
But actually, California redwood trees, it has a very shallow root system. You don't have to dig down very far to hit the root of that. And what's amazing about the California redwood trees and the way the root system works is not one tree stands on its own. See, all the roots between the trees are interlocked. They're interwoven. And so those trees isn't just one root system, but they interlock tree to tree. So when pain and pressure and winds and storms hit in life, it's those other trees that are holding up that one tree. See, there's a community of those trees. And if you stop and think about it, that's the description of the Christian life. That all of us this morning need each other to help us keep going. Right? You need someone in your life to help you keep following Jesus. The Bible's calling you to help someone else continue to follow Jesus. That all of us this morning don't just stand on our own as a church, but we're interlocked together, helping each other continue to press on in the faith when things get tough, when things get dry. And so this morning, what you're going to see in the text is the community that we need. But I know some of you, I know some of you well, and I know some of you, you know, not as well as I know others of you, but I know some of you right now are looking at me and you're thinking, nope, I don't need anybody, I'm a good, strong Texan, and I'm independent, and I stand on my own, and I don't need anybody, this is my faith, and my faith alone. And I'm Mr. Independent, I'm Miss Independent, and I don't need anybody in my business. Well, listen, it is your faith. you got to place your faith in Jesus Christ. I tell, I tell David all the time, my teenager, I'm like, you're not piggybacking me into heaven, right? Like, you've got to place your faith, you've got to follow Jesus. So, yes, it's your faith. You have to make a personal decision to trust Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. But this morning, if you're already thinking, nope. I'm on my own, this is me, I'm independent, I don't need community, I want you to do something for me. And I'm going to ask this just very respectfully out of you. I'm going to ask you, you don't tune me out during this time. Give me about 30 minutes to show you from the Word of God how you need community. And then I'm going to ask you to make a decision at the end of that message, or if you just think, no, no, I don't need anybody else. Would you just ask God right now, God, if that's me, change my heart. And make me and help me obey your word. Because I think at the end of this, you're going to see that you need someone else in your life just as that person needs you. And we all need each other interlocking together to continue to help us in our faith when we are dry. So let's look at the first action that we need to take together. I'm going to give you three actions here that we need in community to get out of a period of dryness into refreshment. The first action is this, that we need to draw near to God. Okay, we need to draw near to God. Notice in verse 19, the author of Hebrews says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and the living way, that he has opened for us through the curtain, that is through the flesh, since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Notice this is the action we need to take. Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, if you noticed up in verse 19, as he's calling us to draw near to God, he uses a transitional phrase at the beginning of that verse, and it's the word, therefore. 
So when you're reading in your Bibles and you come to a passage that says, therefore, then you got to back up and go, okay, what's that therefore, right? And so verses 1 through 18, just to summarize those for you, is essentially the author of Hebrews reminds us that Jesus Christ is the great high priest, and that is Christ who has made a way for us to be in the presence of God, all right? And so if, if he's kind of taken us back to the Old Testament time of the temple and the tabernacle. And remember that if you're familiar with that, the high priest could only go into the Holy of Holies behind the curtain one time a year to offer a sacrifice on behalf of the people. And, and what's amazing to me, in that Holy of Holies, there's no furniture in there. That guy's going in, he's going in to do the sacrifice, and he's getting right out. He's not hanging out because he's in the presence of God. He's not sitting down. There's no stools. There's none of that. I mean, you get in, you get out. And nobody else could just walk in there. Look, if you just came in off the street and goes, you know what, I want to just go in the Holy of Holies today because it's a day that ends in Y, and I think that would be fun. Man, if you walked in the Holy of Holies, you're a dead person walking. You're not coming out of there alive. You can just march into the presence of God. And so he's reminded us in verse 19 that as Christians, we have this gift by God. That God has made a way through his son to tear down that curtain, to tear down that separation, to tear down that wall. And now it's through Jesus we come into the presence of God. And so he says, verse 20, by that new and living way, he's opened for us through the curtain and as through the flesh. We have this great high priest over the house of God. That's Jesus. And so verse 22, we can draw near to God with that true heart and full assurance of faith. Because because of Jesus, our hearts have been sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And think about that. It's an amazing gift God has given you. Now when you're driving in your car, you can pray. You're in the presence of God. You're in the presence of God this morning. Everywhere you go, God's presence is. We talked about that last week in Psalm 139. David said, oh Lord, where can I go to flee from your spirit? If I go to the Sheol, the grave, you're there. If I go to the heavens, you're there. You're always in the presence of God as a believer in Jesus Christ. And that's a gift that he's given you. So the author of Hebrews is saying, draw near to God. Keep drawing near. Now, you might feel dry spiritually, and you're thinking, well, wait a minute, I'm dry. This is hard. Yes, when you're dry, keep drawing near. Don't quit. Keep worshiping. Keep praying. Keep reading your Bible. And you might think, well, I'm dry right now, and I'm reading my Bible, and I'm not just getting anything out of it. Keep going. Don't stop, because revival and refreshment comes as we're drawing near to God, all right? It's not just you sitting back passively waiting for God's lightning bolt to hit you of revival. You have to keep pressing on. And that's what the author of Hebrews is saying. The first action you need to do in community is to continue to draw near, continuing to worship God. But let's look at the second action. Second action comes in verse 23. Let's hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. 
Let's hold fast the confession of our hope. All right? So we, we draw near. The second thing that we do is we hold fast to hope. Now notice something about hope. Hope is built on top of faith. Right? So the hope you have today in Christ has to be built on the right foundation. If your foundation of faith is weak or off, then your hope is going to be off. But if your foundation is right, then your hope is right. right? So the type of hope he's talking about there is not a hope-so hope. Right? It's not a hope where you go, you know, I hope I get to feeling better. I hope I get a raise at work. I hope the Texans beat the Browns today. Yeah. Even though I have the Browns in fantasy football as my defense, so I'm kind of little, you know. For fantasy football people, you get that. For others of you, just ignore that part, all right? You know, like that, that kind of hope, it's not settled, it's not fixed. There's all kinds of different variables that can change things. But if you have a settled and a fixed hope that's on the right foundation of faith, nothing shakes that hope. And that's what the author of Hebrews is saying, that our hope is what in verse 23? What does he say? That we hold fast to the hope on the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who is promised is faithful. So what is the confession of our hope? Well, that's the gospel. That's the work and person of Jesus Christ. See, that's the confession of our hope. That this Jesus was the God-man. That this Jesus was perfect and did not sin. That this Jesus took our sin upon himself on the cross. That this Jesus they put in a tomb and three days later he rose again. And it's this Jesus that John 14, 6 says, I'm the way, I'm the truth and the life. No one is coming to the Father but through me. That's the confession of our hope that we hold on to. Verse 23 says, without wavering. Why don't we waver? Because of... The way the verse ends, he who promised is faithful. So you can have a hope that you can hold on to in Christ today, even in dry times, because God is faithful. Because over and over throughout this word that I'm holding that you're reading, he's shown himself faithful. Many of you this morning can give a testimony to say, God's been faithful to me. God's helped me. God's healed me. God's heard me. God's blessed me. And so this morning, you can hold on to that hope if the foundation of the hope is right in your faith, and that is in Christ. So that we draw near to God as a community to find revival and refreshment. We hold fast to hope that is in Jesus. But let me give you the third action. We want to stir up love and good works in one another. Stir up love and good works in one another. Verse 24, he says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So this third action is we need to consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. You know, in verse 24, that, that word consider, there's a lot of interesting words there. That word consider, it, it means to think, right? 
to have a purpose in this. So as believers in Jesus Christ, when we come to church, we're coming to church, yes, to worship God, but we're coming to church to do something for one another. We're thinking about each other. We're considering one another for the action of stirring each other up to love and good works. Now, the word stir there is a strong word in the Greek. If you have an NIV, uh, your NIV translation is going to say to spur, right? I, I preach from the ESV translation. Mine says stir. Another translation you may have is provoke, right? I like that one. We are here to provoke each other, right? To spur each other, to stir each other. Now, why are we provoking each other? Why are we to stir each other up? Why are we spurring one another? What does he say? To love and good works, right? Now, I don't know about you, but love and good works don't always come easily and naturally to me. Maybe, maybe you figure that trick out, but I, I'm still learning that, right? And so you need each other as I need you and you need me to help each other go, you know what? Let's do some love and good works. See an attitude in you right now that's not great. Let me help you change that. Yeah? Let me help you work on that. Let me come alongside of you and encourage you to love and good works. That's, that's what he's saying. All right? So we want to spur each other on there. We want to provoke each other. We want to stir each other up to love and good works. But notice the second action. And we see the second action in verse 25. And the second action is this. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now the word neglecting there is another very strong, emphatic word in the Greek, and it means to forsake. Right? And so he's saying there's don't forsake the assemblings of yourselves. Don't walk away from community. Don't neglect being together. Now, when the author of Hebrews is writing this, understand culturally, there's pressure on Christians. There's persecution on Christians. And so he's saying, look, you might show up to an assembly, and that could cost you your job. Your boss could say, look, I heard you went down to Heights Baptist Church, and we don't support a bunch of Christians here. You're fired. In this world and in this culture, just like today, in many cultures, you become a Christian, you're out of the family. You're gone. You're done. You're cut off. In parts of our world right now, you show up to a public gathering of believers in Jesus Christ, you get baptized, that could cost you your life. And so he's saying, with all of that on the line, show up. Don't forsake the assemblings of yourselves. Don't walk away from it. Don't walk away from the faith. Don't leave it. That community is important. So don't neglect to meet together as the habit of some. But again, we want to encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, here's the thing. If this morning you say, you know, this whole community business, I just, again, I'm the individual I, I, that, that's just me. I want to show up and I just want to be by myself and, 
you know, here's some good music and, and maybe Lee will keep it halfway short this morning and I just get out the door and go on home, you're going to have a hard time fulfilling the 59 one another commands in the New Testament. You're just going to have a hard time doing that. And so that's what the author of Hebrews is showing us here. That as together, to get out of these seasons of dryness that we have sometimes, to find revival, find refreshment, help each other continue to go, we need community together. That's why as a mission of our church, we say our mission is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ, because that's what we believe. We're here to help people find Jesus and become believers in Jesus Christ. And one of the purposes of our church, how we do that, is in community. We say we want to be a church that's connecting. So we invite you to get into life groups that are weekly Bible studies with other believers. We also have things called equip groups, which are short-term Bible studies we run through the year. But we have plenty of opportunities for you to connect in community because we believe that is important. We don't believe in Christianity just to be lived alone. Like I, I make the bad joke all the time. You know, the Lone Ranger had a friend, right? Friend was? There you go. So the Lone Ranger wasn't alone. He traveled with a guy. All right? So there's no such thing biblically as a lone Christian. There's no such thing as an unchurched Christian. Somebody that just says, I don't need church, but I'm going to be a believer in Jesus. You don't see that through the Bible. So I get this question often, so I'm just going to throw it out there for you, and I'm going to help you answer it. When we talk about not forsaking the assemblies of ourselves, is people go, well, what about missing Sundays? Like, how many Sundays is it okay to miss in a year? Right? I, I, I get that one. Like, and, and I understand Life happens, you've got vacations, you've got work, you get sick. I mean, I, I get that. So, so here's a principle when I get that question, I just put out before the person, I'm going to put it out before you. So to answer that question, it's like, how many, how many excused absences can I have from church before I get in trouble with the Lord? All right, here you go. Here's my answer. If you can miss church and no one misses you, something's missing. Okay, I'm going to say that again. If you can miss church and no one misses you, something's missing. If you can miss church and not miss church, something's missing. Does that help you? All right. If you can miss and no one knew you missed, something's missing. If you can miss church and not miss church, something's missing. What about those that are worshiping with us online this morning? Let me, let me just talk directly to you guys for a moment here. Uh, because I, I know right now we are, we are still in a, in a pandemic. Um, I don't know if we're, are we still in Delta? Like, what Greek letter are we on on this thing at this moment? Like, I, I think we're still in Delta, but I, I get confused where we are. And I know for many of you, you are... You are home worshiping today because of medical reasons. You're autoimmune compromised. You are just not comfortable with crowds right now. And, and listen, there is love for you. We care for you. We pray for you. Uh, there's grace for you. There's understanding in that for me. But let me just encourage you, for those of you that are online worshiping today, I firmly believe in my own personal conviction that the best way to worship is in person. It's with people in the same room. 
And so if that's an option you're choosing right now on online, I'm going to encourage you to make that a temporary option. And when you are comfortable and you're ready, come back and join us here in person because we believe in community worship of people in the same room. And so we miss you. We care for you. We love you. We want to encourage you to let that online option be just a temporary option right now in your life. You know, when we think about love and good works that we're to provoke each other to, to stir each other up on. You know, this week I was just praying about that. I was like, how do we, how do we kind of do that? Like, how do we, if that's what we need to do, how do we stir up love and good works in each other? So I, I just wrote down four things I felt like the Lord wanted me to share with you on, on just some application of how we practically can come in on a Sunday and Wednesdays and when we're around each other and just provoke each other in a good way uh, to love and good works. So I'm going to share these four. They're, they're not, I'm sure you could come up with some others. And so it's not an exhaustive list, but just to kind of uh, let you know some things that God put on my heart, I want to share with you first is in order to stir up love and good works in others, uh, engage in serving others. Okay. Engage in serving other people. Now, right now, you're going to think that's counterintuitive because you're going to say, well, wait a minute, I'm dry, right? And how, when I'm dry spiritually, can I serve someone else and help them love the Lord? Well, I know it sounds counterintuitive, but that's actually how refreshment comes because you're obeying God in that moment. You're using the spiritual gifts that God's given you. You're following him in faith, even in the dryness, and that's going to help bring revival in your life when you're like Jesus, serving other people. So engage in serving others, all right? That's going to mean this, fight the temptation to show up late and at the last amen, run for the door, all right? And listen, my back was turned while I was worshiping to you this morning, so I don't know who showed up late, so I'm not, not picking on anyone. But just fight that temptation, okay? Because there's folks that sometimes they just come in late, and then I say amen, we'll see you next week, and it's like, shoo! I mean, the flash ain't got nothing on them in a, in a foot race, okay? So fight against that, all right? Plug in. Find a spot to serve other people. You know, I, I'm a big... Um, college football fan. I, I actually like watching college football more than I like watching NFL. Uh, and I, I love college football. It's great that we see people in the stands again, and you got the atmosphere and people cheering. I just I love the atmosphere of college football games. Grew up as a kid going to a lot of them out at NC State back in Raleigh, North Carolina. So just big college football fan. And someone described football this way. He said football is basically 22 people, 22 men running around on a field who desperately need a break. Right? And they're being watched by over 50,000 people who desperately need exercise. Right? <laughs> and that actually can apply to a church. Yeah? Because a lot of times college football fans, NFL fans, they, they show up. You know, they're in the stands. They cheer on the team. They might buy some concessions to help support the fans. But then they just go home. And then they talk about how the plays went, how well the coach did, what player did what, what player didn't do what. You know, don't, don't make church that, okay? Engage in serving other people. There are so many ways right now you can serve within our church. Just come talk to me. We'll, we'll plug you in. Right? 
So engage in serving others. That's how you can spur on people to love and good works. Second thing I'm going to give you this morning, encourage you to do, is show up with a good attitude. Okay? Show up with a good attitude. Come, come to worship with a good attitude. Like, and, and I don't mean like put on a plastic smile, okay? If you've had a bad week, you've had a bad week, be honest about that. There's some of you I talked to that uh, you were like, how are you doing this week? And I was kind of one of those when I said in my prayer, I don't really know how I did this week. <laughs> like that was just me emotionally right now. Some good, some bad, I, I just don't know, right? But show up with a good attitude, right? Because here's the thing. If you can provoke someone to love and good works, then you can provoke someone the opposite way as well, right? And so don't be that person that you look like you just suck on a lemon all day long, right? Like, have a good attitude. Just try to help people, even if they're struggling, to, to see the goodness of the Lord. Let me give you number three. Number three is seek to be unified. I think this is one of the biggest things right now as a community that as a church, we need to continue to work on. Seek to be unified. You know, I, I know 2020, we felt like we lived 10 years through 2020. And, and 2021 didn't get a whole lot better in a lot of that regard, you know. And, and the good thing is, I believe as a church, we have been unified through a lot of this. But understand right now, I have never in my short lifetime seen the division in our country like I'm seeing and it's not getting better. It's getting worse. And here's the thing a divided country needs. It doesn't really need a new president. It doesn't really need new Congress. It doesn't really need a lot of new laws and policies and mandates. You know what a divided country needs? It needs a united church. It needs people who go, listen, you walk in these doors and you vote Democrat, you vote Republican, you believe in masks, you don't believe in masks, you get a shot in your arm, you don't get a shot in your arm, we lay all those things aside and we meet at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ because he's our savior and he's the one in whom we worship, amen? And so that's the unity we're going to seek here. We may not all agree on vaccines and mandates and all those other things that our world is fighting about, but I don't know about you, but I'm tired of seeing a country torn apart. I'm tired of seeing churches torn apart. I'm tired of seeing friendships torn apart. I'm tired of seeing families torn apart over all this. So what you and I are going to do is we're going to unite around the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. That gives me number four. When we want to seek to love and spur up good and love and good works in each other, we need to do this. Keep the mission the mission. Keep the mission the mission. That's what we do. That's how unity is found. That's how you help each other love Jesus. You keep the mission the mission. I said that earlier. We love and lead all people to a new life with Christ. Where do we get that from? We get that from Jesus. Jesus tells us, make disciples of all people. Jesus tells us, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's why we say we want to love and lead people here. We want to love people no matter where they are, no matter who they are. We want to lead them to Christ. And that's the mission why does that need to be the mission? Because I want you to pick back up in chapter 10 with me, and I want you to drop down to verse 30. The mission has to be the mission for us, because the author of Hebrews says, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. 
Notice verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's why the mission is the mission in which we need to keep forward in our community. Because there are people dying around us without the knowledge and the faith of Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And the Bible says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God in that way. And so what you believe about vaccines and mandates and masks and all those other things right now, you know what, at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter. You know what really matters? Your son, your daughter following Jesus. Your grandkids following Jesus. You know what really matters? Your coworkers following Jesus. What really matters is your neighbors following Jesus because the heartbeat of all of us as believers in Jesus Christ is we don't want to see another soul in hell for all of eternity. And so we keep the mission, the mission, because hell is real. Hell is hot. Hell is for an eternity. And those that do not believe in Jesus Christ, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. So will you pray with me right where you are? I want to thank you for joining us and watching today's message. And I want to just go over a quick story with you that's a really important story in the Bible, and it means a lot to me. It's about a man by the name of Nicodemus. See, Nicodemus was a guy who pretty much grew up going to church all his life. And one night he comes to Jesus, and it's late in the evening, and he sits down with Jesus, and he essentially asks him a question. Jesus, how do I go to heaven? How do I get into the kingdom of God? And Jesus responds in John chapter 3 that you have to be born again. Now, Nicodemus asks a very practical question. We all would think, well, how in the world can someone be physically born twice? But Jesus wasn't talking about a second physical birth. He's talking about a spiritual birth, that you have to be born again. See, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that without Christ, our spirits are dead. And we're not able to worship God and love God and honor God. But then when we come to Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives, Jesus helps us to be born again. He gives us new birth and our spirits come alive. And so Ephesians chapter 2 again then says, Then by grace you have been saved. It's not a work of yourself. It's the work of Jesus in your life. But listen, that has to be received. You have to receive that gift of grace in your life and believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life. And simply put it this way, did Jesus do everything He possibly could do to save you on the cross? Or is there something else out there? Is He the only way or are there other ways? You know, the way to be saved is to say Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And friend, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone, Jesus forgives you of all your sin, past, present, and future. And when you die, one day He will take you to be with Him in heaven. And so when you think about the wonderful promises of Jesus, I want to encourage you today, right where you are, to receive them and believe in Him. And so if you are ready to do that today, let's just bow in prayer. And I'm going to encourage you in your heart today to mean these words because this is what God says that when we believe in our hearts that Jesus has died on the cross for us, that we can be saved. So would you pray with me? You can simply say, Dear God, today I believe Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. 
I'm placing my faith and trust in Him, in Him alone. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin and one day taking me to heaven to be with you forever. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Friend, I want to thank you so much today for watching our message and encourage you. If you've prayed today to follow Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, please let us know so we can come alongside of you and encourage you, help you take your next step of faith. You can connect with us at our website, heightschurch.org slash connect. You can even leave a comment here on this YouTube page and we'll be in touch with you because we want to just come alongside of you and help you take that next step of faith. So until next time, thank you for joining us today and we'll see you soon.